doing that. Let's uh, open up with prayer this morning. Mighty God, we thank you for the time that you have blessed us with to come together in your name, Jesus. I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts this morning, that we would uh, see what your word has for us, that we would understand what your word has for us this morning. We give you glory and honor and praise. Touch each and every individual that is here this morning. I pray that you would touch their mind and their heart and strengthen them in their walk and in their relationship with you. Strengthen them in their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Gloria, or not Sister Gloria, but Sister Veronica, so graciously, Sister Gloria thought I was calling her out early this morning. Uh, Sister Veronica so graciously uh, passed out uh, a handout this morning to you. And I've got seven words there that we're going to ultimately talk about this morning. But if you've got a pen, uh, I left blank space there for you to jot down some notes if there's uh, something pertaining to one of those seven words that you would like to uh, uh, remember and study out yourself and, and think about later, that would be good. So the last several weeks, uh, Pastor Phillips has been teaching a series, it's all about love. And I personally have greatly enjoyed uh, listening to the various lessons on it's all about love and the, the things that we have uh, learned the things that that have been taught to us through that series and if you'll remember many of you are here most of you are here for the initial uh, kickoff of that series uh, you'll you'll remember that the approach of the series was was kind of from the viewpoint of God's love towards us and how holiness and righteousness precepts of God's word and the standards that are laid out in God's word is really all about love and God's love toward us. It's for our benefit. And this morning we're going to maybe uh, switch gears just a little bit for this Sunday uh, school lesson. And when we say that it's all about love, it's going to be uh, from the viewpoint of our love towards God. Up to this point, it's been God's love toward us, but this morning we're going to maybe take an approach of our love towards God. There, throughout history, there has been great debate from brilliant minds as to the purpose of humanity, the purpose of humans existing uh, in this universe. And even in the Christian world and uh, amongst Christian theologians, there's conversation and debate and various opinions and approaches of, of what the, the purpose of man's existence is. And I by no means um, am going to try to misrepresent myself as an expert this morning on something that I may not have uh, that deep of a knowledge of, but I do believe that if you were to scale everything back and boil it down to one central reason, perhaps that reason is uh, for us to to give praise and glory and honor to God. That that is the 
central existence um, for humanity. Now, we know that the universe, the world around us that we get to live in and experience every day is a product of God. It's a product of our Heavenly Father, the Creator. And everything that we experience even on today is His handiwork. And I can imagine in the beginning of time, God creating everything that He created. The, the trees, the birds, the water, everything. And I imagine Him placing humanity, mankind, in the midst of His handiwork. And then that mankind, that, that man recognizing that, that everything that he saw and he touched and he felt was not a product of him, but it was a product of him. It was a product of God. And I can imagine that, that first man, Adam, giving glory and honor to God for his handiwork and for what he had created. I mean, think about everything that we experience every single day and how everything works in perfect harmony, perfect unity together. Even us just breathing today is just a mere miracle. It's a miracle. The, the giving of life, the birth of life. We have a baby in Sunday school with us this morning. That is a miracle. That whole process is, is a miracle. And you and I could so easily miss our purpose for existence if we let a single day go by that we do not acknowledge where all of this comes from. We do not give glory and honor to the one that created it all. We do not give glory and honor to the one that literally breathed the breath of life in me and in you because we all only exist because of him. The unfortunate reality is that there's a lot of people that place, uh, they devalue human life to the point of thinking that everything is here because of accident. But I'm thankful this morning that, that, that there's a group of believers here that recognize and understand and have experience for themselves that it's more than just an accident, but it was on purpose, for a purpose, that we exist because God Almighty brought us into existence. And with that knowledge, I want to understand, I want to know, I want to realize, I want to have it on the forefront of my mind every day that I'm not here for myself, I'm not here because of myself, but I'm here for God. I'm here because of God. And so we give this um, understanding, this acknowledgement, this realization can manifest itself and come to fruition in our life through the act of praise. Through the act of praise. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Some of this is familiar with this. You've heard me talk about this before, but we're going to look at it again this morning. But seven words of praise as laid out in the Bible. Now, a lot of people, you know, that have never experienced Pentecost, they've never experienced the Pentecostal culture, they've never uh, been around a Pentecostal church um, other than things that maybe they've seen posted on Facebook or maybe one time they 
they came into a Pentecostal service and that was the extent of their experience. But for you and I, the act of worship, the act of praise in a Pentecostal setting is familiar to us. Most of us were exposed to it when we were uh, a newborn coming to church. Our parents brought us when we were just a toddler and we experienced um, the things that, that happen in a Pentecostal church service. But it would be very, very shallow of us to think that, um, that our only understanding of that is just, it just, we just do it, you know? Why do you, why do you pray like you pray in a church service? Or why does so-and-so uh, act the way that they act in a particular setting or particular church service? Well, I don't know. Well, there's biblical reasons. There, there's The Bible lays out the, the manner of which we praise and worship God and what that praise looks like and what that praise means. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. The Bible teaches how to manifest praise unto God because that's what we want to do, right? We, we want to praise God. We want to lift his name up. We want to give him glory and honor. There's a book titled Praise, Faith, in action. And this book reveals that the Old Testament uses about seven Hebrew words to portray the entire biblical portrait of praise. I actually own this book. These seven words here is not unique to me. I didn't invent this or come up with this, but it's made its rounds for for years in various um, circles and settings. And even most recently I saw... Um, Chris Tomlin at one of his concerts has put a book out about these seven words of praise. And I kind of thought that was uh, good. It's good. But I also kind of thought it was a little bit funny because I remember when I was a kid that um, in that Chris Tomlin world, it was almost looked down upon and frowned for having an, an external outward approach to praise and worship. You know, church was uh, very orchestrated and it was very quiet and this is the way that you were supposed to act but then somewhere in my early teenage years I personally in my world in my reality I begin to see this shift in churches and so they begin to have actually two church services a, a traditional and a contemporary because there were people that were emerging that were coming to this understanding and revelation of an external outward approach to praise and worship and living for God and so now it's actually become commonplace and and a lot of churches have actually even done away with quote what they call a traditional service because those that were attending the traditional service wanted to begin to look like and mirror and mimic what was going on in the contemporary service so now it's become uh, commonplace and more familiar common to a lot of believers and most believers of having uh a better understanding of what praise and worship actually looks like, what that actually looks like. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning and, and have a biblical understanding, a biblical approach of why we do what we do and what the Bible has to say about it. So the first Hebrew word we're going to look at this morning is yada, And you've got that there on your notes. It's, it's yada. And it's the root of which means to throw out the hand, the extended hand, or to worship with the extended hand. 
If you look at lexicons, they'll show that the opposite meaning of the word is actually to bemoan. It speaks of the wringing of the hands. In other words, one who fails to lift his hands as a part of victorious worship may in fact be wringing them in whimpering defeat. So it's familiar to us to come into a church service where you see hands that are raised, hands that are thrown out and extended upward. Well, not everybody knows that and understands that, but you and I understand that. But the Bible actually talks about praise and praising and worshiping God in this manner. And it comes from the Hebrew word yadah, and that's what it means. When Jehoshaphat, a man in the Bible in the Old Testament, found that his nation was under siege by the surrounding nations, he called upon the priests to lead his troops into battle. He knew that he had no military might to depend on to deliver him, so he devised a plan whereby the priest would call on God through praise. And this is what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites went out before his his army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, when you and I read that scripture verse, we read praise. But if you take that word there, praise, it is actually from the Hebrew word, yadah. And that means to extend the hand, to raise the hand, to lift the hand, to lift the hand upward. So you have this picture, this portrait here that scripture shows of these priests and they're going out to battle. They're literally battling a physical army, a physical enemy, but what they do is they begin to praise God. Now, it wasn't a silent praise. It wasn't someone just sitting in a chair very quietly and meditating. No, it was an outward expression. It was a lifting up of the hands. It was a throwing out of the hands. It was an outward acknowledgement, praising God, calling upon the name of God. God. And it's something that we still do today. If you're here in our worship service a little bit later, you will see people in this sanctuary lifting their hands, raising their hands. It's not something that they're they're doing just to do. They're not doing it because uh, someone taught them to do it. But no, there there is a, a spirit a spirit that 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 stirs a heart, that stirs a soul, that's something inward, an inward cry, an inward uh, uh, longing to to lift up the name of God, to praise His name, to worship Him, and we do that with the extension of our hands, the lifting up of our hands. The priests went before the enemy, lifting their hands with all their strength unto God to show their dependence upon him and shouting that his mercy endures forever. They were in essence saying, Lord, we know we are outnumbered, but we are not afraid for we know we are your children. We are depending upon you and believing in your power to deliver us. Here we stand trusting in you. And so you ask the question, well, what happened when these priests, before they encountered their enemy, began to yadab, began to praise and lift up their hands? They literally praised themselves to 
victory. And we know that you and I today can do the same thing, that when believers appear to be outnumbered and they begin to be facing certain deceit, that we know that we can begin to praise God for our deliverance, that we can begin to lift up our hands. Psalms 134 and 2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The next word we're going to look at that describes praise is to die. It's to die, which comes from this same root as yada. Both words involve the raising of the hands, but when we look at to die, it includes even more. It is the modern Hebrew word for thanksgiving and speaks of an extension of the hand in a vow, in acceptance, in adoration. Sometimes in the Bible it was used to thank the Lord for blessings that were already received, but at other times you find that it was used to thank God in advance for blessings that had not yet come. It honors God by taking Him at His word and refuses to question or doubt His promises. So we see this word here, to die. It's an extension of the hands, but it's shifting from praising God for what He's already done, and it's praising God for what He is about to do. That's praising in faith. That's praising in faith because it's... it's it's one thing for us to be able to praise God for the door that's already been opened. It's one thing for us to have the ability to praise God for the blessing that's already been given to us. The check that we've already received in the mail, if you will. But it's an entirely different thing for us to praise God for the door that is still closed, that needs to be opened. For the check that hasn't been sent, that still needs to be sent. And so that's what, what Tada is. It's, 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 it's moving from the mentality of I'm praising God for what he's already done, but I'm also going to praise God for what he is going to do. I'm giving him honor and glory and worshiping him for his promises and those promises that are going to come to pass. It is the offering of thanksgiving for and rejoicing in something that is guaranteed by his word before it has even taken place. So to die, praise. That type of praise is the throwing of the hands into the air in praise to God for what his word has said to us that he will do. It's also throwing of the hands into the air in recognition of what he's already accomplished in our life. The third word we're going to look at is shavak. Shavak. Shavak simply means to address in a loud tone, to command, triumph, glory, to shout. Praise, as we know, because I've already said it, does not have to be quiet in reserve. There, there is a mentality that people possess that, that, that praise has to be quiet, that, that you have to sit reserved with your hands folded in your lap, close your eyes, and just meditate. But Shavak refers to shouting God's praises with a loud voice. A loudly shouted praise is very acceptable unto God. This is what Psalm 63 and 1 says. 
it says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. My lips shall shavak thee. My lips shall shout unto thee. My lips shall shout glory and praises unto thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Psalms 47 and 1 says, Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We don't have to be quiet, but we can, we can gloriously, we can victoriously praise God and lift up His name and call upon His name and bless His holy name. I know that it's kind of cliche to use the sports analogy when it comes to praise, but it's just so true. That's the reason why it's always said. And people, what do they do when their team scores the game-winning point? Yeah, they're, they're shouting and they're jumping and they're leaping and they're throwing their hands in the air. They're not reserved. They're not quiet. Why? Because there's an emotion. There's a feeling that overtakes them. It's a feeling of joy. It's a feeling of happiness that overtakes them and it drives them, propels them. It causes them as a result of their excitement and joy to jump up and down, to leap, to yell out to raise their hands. Well, it's the same way, or it should be, with our relationship with God. When we experience His joy, when we experience His peace, when we experience His comfort, when we experience His glory, when we experience His promises, there should be something that overtakes us, that, that as a result causes us, drives us, propels us to shavak Him, to, to die Him, to... You die Him to lift up our hands, to call on His name, to glorify Him, to praise Him. It is absolutely acceptable for us to praise God in this manner. In this manner. If a person feels that God has been so good to them that they hardly know how to express it, then that individual can shout his praise forth with a loud voice. This praise is acceptable unto God. It is not only pleasing to God, but this is scriptural worship. This is scriptural worship. The fourth word we're going to look at is Barak. I've been practicing my Hebrew just for this lesson. Barak. It's impressive, isn't it? Barak, meaning to kneel or bless. God has an act as an act of adoration. To kneel or to bless God as an act of adoration. There is something in every Christian, every believer, every follower of Christ that occasionally wants to bow low before the Lord in worship and prayer. This word is sometimes translated to mean to bow down in a worshipful attitude or to bless God expecting to receive something. Now, we know that there is a time and place for everything, and we know that everything should be done decently and in order. And that is true with praise. There's times where 
jumping up and down, shouting and, and being loud is uh, an acceptable way for us to praise God and to worship God. And sometimes what we're feeling and the emotion that overtakes us is what causes us to respond in that manner. But there's also times that we should praise God and worship God in the manner of Barak, where we kneel down before him, where we're humbly submitting ourselves before him, lowering ourselves before him, worshiping him, praising him, acknowledging him as the creator of heaven and earth, as the almighty one, the all-powerful one. You are the heavenly, I am the earthly. You are the all-powerful one, and I am am not. You are the Lord of my life. I am not. It's us humbling ourselves before Him. It's it's acknowledging Him as the God of heaven. It's lowering ourselves before Him. It's 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 an understanding of of Him as the Almighty One. Psalm seventy two twelve through fifteen says, For he shall deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also in him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence and precious shall their blood be in his sight. And he shall live and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him continually and daily shall he be praised. That word there, praised, is barak. It's a lowering of ourself. It's, it's us approaching God and entering into His presence in humility, humbling ourselves before Him, lowering ourselves over to Him. And what a promise it is that the believer can bow before the Lord and expect something good to happen, that we can kneel before Him in praise and worship, and we can, we can do that with an expectation that, that God is going to fulfill His Word. God is going to keep His promises. God is going to do for us what we need Him to do for us. Amen. The next word that we are going to look at is Zamer. It's Zamer. If you look at number five there, I spelt it with an S, but it in reality, is supposed to be spelt with a Z. Now, I see many of you uh, have pens out, so you can scratch out that S, and you can you can make it a Z. Uh, should you want to look this up later, it'll help you if you spell it with a Z. But Zamer, Zamer, it literally means to touch the strings, and is used in conjunction with instrumental worship. Psalms 150 mentions a wide variety of instruments and encourages us to zamer or touch the strings and use them in praise. Zamer praise is rejoicing. And we find in Psalms 150 that the majority of the instruments listed are either percussion or rhythm, reflecting a lot of volume and downbeat used to rejoice the Lord. So it's, it's a... It's an act of praise. It's an act of worship that we do using the instruments. We find that in Psalms 150. Does somebody want to look up Psalms 150 real quick? Brother BJ, I'm going to let him get there. But we do this every Sunday at our church. 
and not even on just Sundays, but we do it on Wednesdays. And sometimes we might have a singing or a playing throughout uh, the week, and we we find that we we worship and praise God through musical instruments. But the the fact is that there's actually some Christian denominations who uh, downplay uh, music. They don't have music in their church services. They don't play music. Music isn't a part of what what they want to do to worship and praise God, but it's biblically okay. We see this in Psalms 150. Read that for us, Brother BJ. Awesome. Sounds pretty biblical to me. It's 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 not. Uh, it's more of a command, if you will. You read that, and it's a command. Hey, praise the Lord in this manner. Praise the Lord just like this. And we we're given an outline, and so it's perfectly all right. And I think it even pleases the Lord for us to praise Him with Zamer type praise, which is using the stringed instruments, the cymbals, praising him with a loud voice. All right, the sixth word we're going to look at is Hallel, or Hallel, Hallel. This is a root word from which the praise word Hallelujah is derived. It means to shine, to boast, to rave, and to be clamorously foolish. This is the type of praise that we often uh, see practiced when the church assembles together because it's in church services that we see Christians sing they boast in the goodness of the Lord and they extol his greatness they often become so involved in bragging on Jesus that they may appear to some to be foolish and we have no doubt been called foolish before but the Bible talks about it Hallel, Hallel, Hallel you see that sometimes a father is is praising his son. He's lifting him up. You did a good job. My boy did a good job. I'm proud of him for what he did. He did a great job. He, he excelled. He exceeded our expectations. You see that? Well, we do that towards God. It's an act of praise. Have you seen what my God has done for me? Have you seen what my God is able to do? My God is great. My God is mighty. My God is powerful. My God is wonderful. My God is merciful. My God is gracious. My God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And you hear and you see and you experience some of this in our church services. And sometimes people think, well, they're putting too much emphasis or they're acting out of order or, or they're, they're crazy. But when you are genuinely excited, when you are genuinely thrilled, and there's something that overtakes your soul and it grips you, you can't help but brag. You can't help but declare. You can't help but lift up. Amen. Amen. I'm trying not to preach this morning. We become so uh, overtaken with the thought, with the feelings of what God has done, what God can do. It's, it's easy for us to become so thankful for and proud of what our God 
has done for us that we may act like uh, you know like that that father who is so thrilled of his son you know it just overtakes us and we can't help but but brag you know I I think all the time or not all the time but going through this lesson and refamiliarizing myself with it my mind was taken back to how my grandmother all the time says let me brag on my Jesus she'll say that if you've been around her you'll hear her say that she'll say let me brag on my Jesus you know and I think it's all right for us to brag on Jesus. If we're going to brag on something or brag on someone, it might as well be God. You know, sometimes we're, we're very good at bragging on ourselves. We're good at bragging on our spouse. We're good at bragging on our kids. We're good at bragging on our neighbor. We're good at bragging on people. But I think it's perfectly okay if we want to brag on Jesus. That's why we have testimony service. We're testifying to the goodness of God. We're testifying about what He can do and what He's able to do and what He has already done for us in our life. Amen. And finally, we reach word number seven that we're going to look at this morning. And it is Tehalah. Tehalah. It is more than just us singing. It's even more than just spirited singing. But it is singing in the Spirit songs that were not prepared or premeditated but flow forth in praise produced by the Holy Ghost. That sounds kind of wacky, doesn't it? But many of you can testify that you have experienced that in your life. For yourself, and I know personally that I have for myself. Not many times, not all often, but there's been times that I have gotten so deep in prayer and and just in the flow of the Spirit was just flowing through me that for no reason at all that I just begin to sing in the Holy Ghost. What I was saying, I don't know, and I don't sing. I don't even sing in the shower. Singing is not part of who I am and, and what I do, but there's been times that I've gotten so connected with the Spirit in prayer that the Holy Ghost would begin to move through me. The distinction between singing and Tehalah could be seen when Israel began to sing and to praise, causing the Lord to set ambushments against her enemies. We see this in Second Chronicles 20 and 22 where the Bible says they begin to sing and to praise. They begin to tehalah. They begin to pray in the spirit. It was the power of God that prompted them to begin to sing. And so it is seen that a person praises the Lord by lifting his hands in dependence upon him, by lifting his hands in thanksgiving for what God has done and what he is going to do. God is praised by the touching of fingers to the strings and the instruments and by getting so carried away and boasting in his greatness that a person would appear to be foolish and by shouting his goodness with a loud voice so we we shout with a loud voice we play uh, the musical instruments to to praise God that we we boast on God and brag on God that that we lift our hands in dependence upon Him. And we can do these things and we can even be carried away in the Spirit to a place where we begin to sing and praise in the Spirit. And so we've seen this morning, 
as I get ready to close, seven words of praise. Seven words of praise. And there are many different ways in which a person may praise and worship God. But ultimately, it is not what one does in worship, but it is the motive behind his worship that is most important. I've been in some services before, in some different uh, venues, where there would be a worship team up there, and they would be leading in worship, but their worship was manufactured. It was, it was choreographed, to be quite honest. It was something that they practiced pre-service. But I've been in many church services where there was nothing that was planned, nothing that was preordained, nothing that was choreographed, but they began to sing, they began to praise, and they began to worship from their heart, from the depth of their soul. And there was something that began to move and to stir in the atmosphere, and the Holy Ghost began to work and began to move. Because what's more important is the motive behind our worship, the reason why we're worshiping, the reason why we are praising God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of Israel, and we've experienced that for ourselves, that when we begin to praise, when we begin to worship, there's something that begins to stir, and it's, it's heaven comes to earth and begins to dwell among us, because there's something that gets the attention of God when we begin to praise Him. God's attention is directed towards us when we begin to praise Him. So when we think about this in the context of our lesson series that we've gone over the last several weeks, it's all about love. And we've been talking about God's love toward us, but this morning we're talking about our love towards God. And what better way to show your love towards someone than to have a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, a, a, a presence of excitement, a presence of joy, something that we can offer up to Him, something that we can offer up to Him. Stand with me this morning. We're going to get ready to close, and we're going to close out in prayer. And we can just have a heart of thanksgiving right now. We can thank God for who He is and what He's done for us. Mighty God, we thank You this morning for every good thing that you have done for us in our life. We give you glory and honor. We praise and worship your mighty name. You are great and mighty, and there is none like you, none that compares to you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Let our heart be pure. Let our motives be pure, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help us, that you would touch us, that you would strengthen us, that you would bless us. We give you the glory and honor for the things that you are doing now and that you are going to do in the future. We give you glory, honor, and praise this morning. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. It's all about love this morning. It's all about our love towards Him. You can be dismissed.